Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Ah, it's lovely to see you all here. We are your station in isolation. Three Triple R is the name of this fine organisation. My name is Cam Smith. We've got a show about food and we're going to be talking with, well, first cab off the rank is uh, Dan Hunter. He is... Part of the team, Dan and Julianne, up there at Birigawa. I said, is that up there as well? What do you think? If it's north, I'd go it up. Well, it's, sort of, <laughs> it's, it's west, so it's sort of across. Oh, but over it, then, yeah. You know, it's in Birigawa, and uh, Bray is possibly the country's greatest regional restaurant. Certainly up there anyway, if we we're, were going to be doing that. He's been um, in his isolation. Probably not a bad place to be, but we'll find out what the reality of that has been, uh, how he feels about doing the pear tatatins, which he's been doing lots of, and a few caramel burns. Not fun. Have you ever burnt yourself with caramel? Oh, I haven't, no. Oh, mate, it's like napalm, it sticks. <laughs> It's, it's it ain't it ain't good. But we'll find out um, how all that has been going. I couldn't give up the uh, the chance of going to see John, so we'll be running a market report, which we have in the can, ready to go. And uh, the end of the show, well, we just thought we'd indulge ourselves. We're going to kick back because we have a winemaker who is kicking back. It's winter time. What do winemakers do in winter time? Kick back. They just put their feet up and they whittle sticks. That's all that because of the, the vineyards. Nothing's happening. Exactly. No, nothing at all. Um, so, um, did I have a quote? Well, let me just quickly just go. Um, I thought um, I might have found something that was interesting. Uh, Buckminster Fuller. Well, it's a good name. He said, nature is trying very hard to make us succeed, but nature does not depend on us. We are not the only experiment. And that's kind of a funny thing. I don't know. if you, Have you heard people say to you, Carl, I don't know if the earth is going to survive? Not in so many words, but I think that question comes up. It does. Quite often. Uh, my answer to that is, <laughs> the earth's going to be fine, mate. It just has to get rid of this carbuncle that it has, this sort of growth that's on it at the moment. But anyway, we don't want to bring people down. Uh, what do you think, Carl? Should we get uh, Dan on the line? He's right here. He is? Just like that? Magic. Wow, I love that. Dan, are you there? Yes, I am, mate. How are you? Hey, there you are. I'm, I'm sensational. Oh, I might have had a couple too many martinis last night, but um, uh, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, I've sort of found out in this, uh, in this thing. It's a delight to hear from you, and thank you for taking the time out uh, to have a chat with us. Where are you? Where have we I'm found in, you? I'm actually in sunny Skeens Creek at the moment, just enjoying uh, a little bit of nature down by the beach on the ocean road. It's very, very lovely this morning. A few showers, quite mm. sunny at the moment, nice and crisp. Yeah, We're, for those that, uh, you know, we've got to just assume that not everybody knows everything about everything. And we'll start with simple geography. Where is Skeens Creek, mate? Uh, Skeens Creek is on the Great Ocean Road, about five 
five minutes out of Apollo Bay. When you come out of uh, when you come out of the Beltway Forest on the Forest Road from from Bray, actually, mm. um, you come out at Skeens Creek. So we're just staying down there for a few days, which is very very lovely. You know, in the days before uh, you made Birigara synonymous and, and that area with just unbelievable dining. Skeens Creek was uh, was an amazing place because there was a Greek bloke. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's still alive. Chris's, and Chris's. He, yeah, and he yeah. had the place right on the top. I think it's called Beacon Point. Is that it? Yeah, that's right. So that that little hill up there, that um, you know, that lookout, that's Beacon Point. Jesus, it's got a view, isn't it? I'm sitting in my my backyard right now, looking up the hill to Beacon Point, wishing, yeah. wishing I had that view. But um, hey. yeah, that's that's still in operation, I believe. I'm not sure in what capacity, and I'm not sure what what the story is with Chris. But certainly, uh, from memory, his family's still, and he perhaps is still running that business. Yeah, well, it was it was one of the first sort of. Well, if we want to look at a destination sort of country, Victoria places to go and have some pretty good food. I'm sure it was very good. I mean, and I a place think, to uh, stay. Yeah, look, it's. I think there's historically. I think. I mean, it, it's funny. Skeens Creek's almost like a little fisherman settlement, and uh, there's lots of blue and white houses in the area. We always admire this sort <laughs> of uh, fibro blue and white sort of shack here, and I'm sure it's you know been done on purpose by. A Greek family is probably 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, obviously up and down the coast here, as far as Lawn, Anglesey, there's, all, there's lots of businesses owned by um, families with Greek heritage. And, obviously, the fishing the fishing industry supported them over time. And it's um, be nice to see some of them come back, I suppose. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah, w- wouldn't be bad. So this is, um, you know, you run what is probably one of the great country retreats in regional Victoria, and this is your country retreat from the country retreat, so to speak. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look, it's, it's a funny thing to think that you need to get away from a, a small country town sometimes to even a <laughs> country town. But, yes. Um, look, I think, I think running, a, running a business like ours, you know, and let's talk about um, perhaps when it's actually open, but running a business of that nature, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite hands-on and it's uh, all-encompassing. It's very nice to have the ability to get away under an hour to a very, very beautiful part of Victoria. And uh, look, I mean, just noticing this morning, I've been down the beach this morning and we've had the the family the family day out to the local tip to get rid of a few old bricks and things like that. And um, yes. <laughs> Jules, has, Jules has got the bolognese on the stove right as we speak. No way, so, really? So absolutely. it's it's done. It's done. It's in, into its second stage now of cooking. It's had the, the long cook yesterday and the and the, <gasps> the, fi- the final reduction this morning. So um, isn't and now what? There is that weird alchemy, isn't there? When you when you cook something like that and you let it cool down completely, all those elements just integrate so well together. It tastes so much better the next day, doesn't it? I think that's called an emulsion in the in the technical terms. I is that what McGee would uh, say? Uh, I think that's. I think that's the. Um, the uh, the fats and and the water coming together as one to make that um, that beautiful texture that we all you know all appreciate with a very long cooked um, sauce of any nature you know how many how many different types of meats have you do you put in the bolognese I haven't checked with it but usually it's two usually it's um, it's pork and veal um, yeah. and and yeah it's pretty look um, her background is is southern Italian so um, yeah. 
there's no there's no sort of other animal fats in it. It's olive oil and it's a long sofrito and then it's uh, meat and tomato and, and that's pretty much it, you know. And it's bit um, of garlic. Lots of garlic, lots of onion, lots of um, herbs. Uh, do you put it? Do you oregano? Are you an oregano guy? Bit the bit bay leaf in there. Uh, oregano is like absolutely critical, and often when the, <laughs> yeah, when, right. the, the dry, when the dry and it's dried oregano, it's not fresh. It's the dried one from the from the grandparents or from the nuno nona, um, and that often runs out before the end of the year. So we're actually in a bit of a dilemma at the moment. We've been trying to wrangle a bit out of our Sicilian. Restaurant manager Sebastiano because he gets the good shit sent to him from his mum. Oh um, no way! Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Otherwise, so, you'd say go to somewhere like Saracos because you can get those nice on branche um, yeah. oregano. My father-in-law does a pretty pretty good job of it each year and has usually a decent supply. But obviously, with the look, you know, actually, what's occurred is the travel restrictions have stopped the. Stop the goods moving from within the family from uh, generation to generation. So yes. the, the passata and the oregano is actually getting very, very tight to the point where obviously the oregano is out. And having to wrangle um, some of the Sicilian restaurant manager has been quite difficult this time of year because he usually only gives up a little bit yes. once, a new batch, once a new batch arrives. And um, his parents haven't been able to send that over at this point. So. Oh, my God, calamity. And a okay. lot of tension, a lot of tension, we'll say. Uh, and just, I asked you about the the meats because I saw there's a really interesting recipe from uh, the Grossies, uh, the Grossi Cellar Cookbook, which is a, geez, a good one for all those um, the basis of you know the Italian cuisine. But they do bolognese, and he puts in uh, this is guy, of course. It's about 150 grams of chicken mince in there to give it. I'm holding. I'm doing quotation body into the into the thing and there's also a little bit of cinnamon in this uh, bolognese yeah it's crazy it's it's good deep Oof. cinnamon doesn't sound like an area that we'll be going to in our family but um certainly certainly the chicken mince has made an appearance every now and then i'm not sure if it's been uh necessarily out of choice it was more mm. like um you know what was available at the time but traditionally as far as i can see and have experienced over the last sort of beef and veal years, it's the beef and pork uh, sorry Beef and pork. Yeah, yeah, the, um, the pork for the softness, the beef for the yeah. Um, sorry, we've uh, I've taken you on a tangent. The the important sorry, thing to right. to talk about my fault, my my bad, Dan. Let's talk about the realities. Um, you've had well, we've all been living through this, but I'm just wondering how did it? Have you been living through it, and how did it affect you and all the people that uh, you have working with you? Oh look, I mean, it's, where do you start? You know, like I'm I don't know. And on what, and what, and on what level do you start? It's, I mean, it's emotional, economical. Uh, for those of us who haven't been doing the the longer days that we're used to, it's also quite physical. As I noticed, the um, you know, the the average weight per staff member starting to increase over this. <laughs> we haven't been we haven't been running. I'll put Matt, yeah, and not sweating either, not <laughs> over the stoves. <laughs> Collective collective weight increase in the in the team of probably you know a couple of dozen kilos, but yeah. um, you know that's, look I don't know it's it's been it's been a time of anxiety and and a time of you know like and for everyone in every aspect of society a lot of um, yeah. a lot of a lot of unknown and I guess you know when you employ people or 
when you run a business and um, you know there's a lot to you're not just thinking about yourself, you're thinking about those people, you're thinking about your guests, you're thinking about how you how you actually make a return to um, to trading, you know. Yeah, because um, yeah. you, because of the very nature of your your business, in in that it's um, what what do we call it? well low volume, high profit. That doesn't really quite cover it, but you yeah. need those. You need to have that dining room full to make it a viable proposition. And none of us are really sure when you'll be able to get that amount of people, those bums on those seats. Yeah. Look, we're in a, I guess the most basic, basic, you know, understanding of what's happening in the future is we've chosen to reopen. We're reopening on the twenty fifth of on the twenty fifth of um, this month. June. Yes. Yeah, but the situation is is that the best we could hope for is a break even. You know, like we're we're basically yeah. opening um, with a new business model, and that is we've removed. You know, it's pretty much 25% of our capacity from every service. Wow. That's the law. That's the law. Yeah. Um, and if you think, you know, it's probably it's probably a small percentage of that that actually translates to, to the opportunity for profit as long as it's full. Um, and so really, our, this whole year, I think 2020 going forward for us now, is the best case scenario would be uh, a break-even situation. Um, and that's with filling all the seats, pretty much every service that are available. So, you, you know, you're talking about, we're talking about Bray's going from a 40-seat restaurant to a 30-seat restaurant, um, and we need to be 30, pretty much 30 covers every service for it to be um, at zero at the end of this year. So, and I mean, I think, you know, look, that, that sounds a bit doom and gloom, but I mean, I'm just looking forward to being open and, and Cooking. seeing seeing what opportunities come in that time um, and hopefully, you know, letting people ease their way back into into dining and, and being in restaurants and being in, in society and hopefully enjoying themselves and receiving them with open arms and best intentions and just cranking it again, you know. Like it's, um, you know, we're, we're a restaurant that, that hopefully – our whole intention is to make people happy and to be a place of excitement and joy and pleasure and, you know, all of those things and being closed and doesn't really allow you to do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, well, I just want to get open and... Get it happening again. Get the pans yeah, out. Yeah, 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 you know. And get the so, pans out, get the ovens on, and as you said, you know, with that incredible... Uh, accommodation that you have there, uh, fire up the slab so that <laughs> it'll be warm in there. Because you said it's um, you've turned it off. Yeah, I mean we turn it off. It's uh, there's 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 in under slab heating there, and it's going back on next week. We need to make sure it's uh, warm enough when people arrive. It takes a, it takes a few days to get warm again. Um, yeah. But you know, like it's look, it's it is what it is. And I mean, the benefits or the pluses, if you want to pull some out of this, is that. Ray, as a farm, is looking unbelievable. It's hmm. highly planted out. We've had our whole team working uh, 20 hours a week for this whole period. We've had a few of us on full-time. Um, and I've got to say, for this time of year, we've had an incredible autumn. We've had a, you know, for those who take notice of the seasons, we've had a, a pretty nice end of summer. We had a bit of rain. We had hmm. ridiculous. Ridiculous mushroom season. Ridiculous, okay. yeah. Very long, very long sort of classic Victorian autumn of 
cold, cold nights, a little bit of rain here and there, like a good amount of rain, but still lots of sunshine and warmer temperatures in the day. And and, and what just, about that beautiful golden light that you get in autumn? Oh, it's ridiculous. Because you I get mean, that, that red shift that happens and it's just, oh, God, this is nice. Yeah, the light, I mean, I think the light... Um, in that sort of, you know, that part of the world, this part of the world, um, in that t- that time of year is, is quite spectacular. And there's been many occasions, actually, in the last few weeks, I've sort of been standing at the restaurant at sort of five o'clock in the afternoon as it's getting into the, the sunset and thinking, should it be good to have Essie to see this? Because it's unbelievable. They'd like but, this. Um, but the property's looking great and we've done a lot of work and we've, you know, we've maintained some positivity, which I think is probably the, the basis for... You know, the future in this sense that we've at least not sort of, you know, just thrown it away and, and just let the whole place sort of, you know... Go to rack and ruin. Yeah, we've actually we've maintained it always with the understanding that there's going to be guests here again soon. The, yeah, um, the, sun, the sun will rise again. Yeah, and I mean, you know, like, I just feel as though, like, we just need to get on with it and, and some positivity. And, of course, there's... There's health implications. We're all aware of that. I think it's pretty hard not to be, and we, we're pretty much getting lots of information, particularly in our industry, of how to deal with those, you know, those issues. But I think people forget for for restaurant and you know for bars and cafes and anywhere that sells food is that the, our industry is highly regulated in what we do. We are we are across health concerns all the time. You know, it's, mm. I think it's very difficult for a lot of other industries to understand it how how much our industry is actually regulated by you know, the, the consideration of public health and safety. And, I mean, we're in the trade of making people feel safe. And so I think I think for the general public to be getting out to restaurants, they can be pretty much assured that every single person that owns or runs or works in a restaurant is going to be doing the absolute utmost to make them feel safe and for it to be a safe environment. And I would suggest that restaurants will be the most safe environment you can be if you're out in public, you know. So, um, you know, we're just making sure that we're doing that and, and making sure that people understand that when they come back to us. Yeah, I agree with all of those things. That um, the, the whole thing is it's, it's about hospitality, it's about care, it's about looking after um, people anyway, regardless of whether we have this bloody global pandemic thing going on as, as it has. And uh, yeah. the last thing that any restaurant will want to do is to be held up to account of um, of making people sick. I mean, that's the last thing that you'd want to do, and you're going to be doing everything possible, so that's not well, an eventuality. Mean, you know, on top of that, I mean, I think the other thing that maybe a percentage of society don't understand is that our industry was forced to close. You know, we yeah. we we all of us who own restaurants and work in restaurants we had the opportunity to work removed from us. And as far as it closing a whole industry down, we're probably the one industry that really, I mean, you know, you talk about the arts and theatre probably also, but yep. we, we really we really want to get open. We haven't been able to trade for four months, you know, and so, um, you know, we're going to do everything to make sure that happens. And some industries haven't been closed. I mean, if you if you have a look around on these dead sort of streets in the past, in the last couple of months, mm. there's still... There's still tradies going out every single day and working in people's houses. There's still building going on. You know, like they're, they're, some of those guys are just completely, you know, oblivious to the fact that we've been closed down. And so, I mean, we're we're just going to do everything possible to make sure that when we do open, it's in a very very safe way, 
and people are very safe when they come to us. And I, I'd happily say that on behalf of all restaurants, you know. I think we'd say, yeah, and so say all of us um, out there. But, yeah, that's been the, the corollary of this whole thing is that we've had a whole industries just shut down. And yet, as we were talking yesterday, it's like, yeah, there's bloody vans and and cars full of, of tradies and how did you say? You saw, you see them at the milk bar drinking their um, – <laughs> it wasn't Big M's because they're not Big M's oh, anymore. What's the milk oh, nowadays? I don't know, dare or something, is it? Uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, but that's that's been the weird thing. So you know that that has just been, uh, yeah, it's just been sort of left to go along. But in the meantime, I have seen uh, more than one photo of um, pear tarts that you've been huh. making. Um, you must have gotten pretty good at those. Have you sort of got the hang of it by now? I think I'm. He said I with his I'm... tongue firmly in his cheek. I believe I'm, I'm uh, 11 weeks in without a burn on my forearm from tipping caramel out. So, hey, there we go. Round of applause. I think, you know, week one, you knock out 20 tatatans and, you know, the odd bit of caramel drips on you. But then you learn you learn the, I mean, you obviously know the technique, but you make sure you can do it quickly and, and sort of get 10, 15 out of the oven at once. And, and even, filling it, even filling the pans and making sure that you, when, you know, you you rest the spoon against the caramel. You don't drip it in the caramel, so when you pick it up, it burns the shit out of your fingers, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's... Other times, not my thing. I mean, it's been great to do it for a little while, but it's... Uh, I'll be looking forward to doing uh, some other... Turn, turn the back on that, that French classic, shall we say. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things, hey, not that there's anything wrong with it, but Jesus Christ, I don't want to see another ta-ta-ta for a while. I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a good uh, grasp and understanding of the classics. And yes. They're a, cl- they're a classic for a reason. And, um, you know, the most, the most complex technical, um, let's say, dessert in the world is often not even a match for the best, most simple classic dessert. You know, there's no doubt about that. They're, they're, they're around for forever forward for a reason. Um, but if you... You know, if you see your business closed and all of a sudden you find yourself knocking out 20 or 30 of them a week and that's all you do, it's quite easy to get a little bit dirty on them and, and not want to see them for some time. Yeah, well, it'll be, uh, it, it was an expedient thing and it'll be good to, uh, to do other things uh, when that happens. So um, in the meantime, you, you're saying that you are throwing the doors open on what date? Thursday the 25th of June we are doing our first service. Yes, um, and yeah, we've. I mean, we've taken bookings for the for that week. We've we've sort of opened the bookings uh, on the. We opened on the fourth of June the bookings, and um, we took that week of the twenty fifth forward, the third of the twenty fifth, and that next five days. Um, we you know we're very complex to um, for some for some of us to to get the restaurants open again. It's not like you know, okay, up you go, open the restaurants. Um, no. You know, for to take to take reservations, we've had to we've had to re completely revisit our reservation system and policies and timings and all of those things, and to maintain the the sort of social distancing laws, we have to do things at a different time. So we have to really change the times that we do things and uh, extend the services and the lunch services will be slightly extended while still reducing the the possible numbers and. 
there's a whole a whole complex scenario that's been devised for that to happen, but we've got through that and um, reservations are now open. So, I mean, we've been really pleased to see that um, people have taken those reservations very quickly. Um, I'm sure they will. I mean, I think people are dying to get out of town. I was in uh, South Gippsland a couple... Friday, that's right, on Friday, I was um, uh, uh, pulling some truffles out of the ground with uh, Nigel Wood, which was fun, but coming back home, you should have seen the amount of cars that were leaving the city, it's like, yeah, regional tourism is happening again, or it certainly started, would probably be a better way to put it. I must say, I mean, down at um, Skeens Creek today in Apollo Bay, like it's, um, I've been down here several times while it's been closed down, and Apollo Bay three weeks ago looked like Apollo Bay did like in the seventies. It was like it's basically not a touristing site, you know. Just a few fishermen. It was actually quite glorious, to be honest. Um, and a, and a couple uh, of tradies drinking uh, <laughs> cartons of oak milk. I think it is, isn't it? They're, oak. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Anyway, whatever. Uh, uh, listen, yeah, buddy. Just, yep. Did you want to finish? I've just cut you off. I want to give you an opportunity no, to no, finish. No. We. I was just going to say this. People everywhere, so hopefully that translates to um, bums to on seats. Yeah, both in country restaurants and city restaurants. Well, Dan, I know that you're going to be absolutely your happiest when uh, the 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 ship is, uh, has righted itself and is sort of steaming down. The ovens are all hot. The slab is warm. The dining room is warm, and there's that sound that you get from. Happy diners. I hope you get to hear that sound soon. I think we will. I, I've got a good feeling about it. I've got a, 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 a big trust in the dining public, and I think that um, they're very much ready, as as both you and I are, as we discussed yeah. today. And, you know, many of my friends and peers who work in restaurants are not only ready to be open, but they all, too, want to just go out and... Um, just be in a restaurant space and, and enjoy the company of their friends and being looked after, you know. So I think we all we all require that following this sort of last few months. We crave it. We crave it. Listen, mate, enjoy that, uh, the spag bowl tonight. I shall. That'll be going on pretty soon, I reckon. I reckon the next hour or so we'll be seeing that. Garlic bread or no garlic bread? Uh, no garlic bread at this stage. Oh, okay. um, plenty of booze, though, I reckon, and uh, oh, probably settling for the day. Fire's going. The temperature's nice and crisp. I think it's. Um, I've done my outdoor session so far today. I'll be indoors from, the, from this moment onwards. Sounds like a good thing, uh, Dan. Thank you so much for having a chat to us, and uh, yeah, uh, all the best for the opening. And uh, and maybe we'll touch base with you in a, in a few weeks and just uh, find out how it's all going. Yeah, that'd be great. That that sounds like a great idea. Thanks, Cam. Love it. Well, uh, enjoy the. Uh, the recluse away from the resort, shall we say, uh, and uh, enjoy the, the beauty that is Skeens Creek. Thank you, mate. Always a pleasure. I'll speak to you soon. Right back at you. Dan Hunter from Bray. Um, he's, uh, he's come back, as they, they all are. It is, uh, what have we got? I'd say it's about 12, we'll call it, say, 12.32 probably gone a little bit over on that so um i think unless uh car wants to play some sponsorship announcements maybe we should uh what do you want to do yeah we're going to go to john i think let's go to the queen victoria market and hear it john says he sounds like this 
All right, John, I've hit the button. Oh, look at that. The sun just came out. <laughs> magic as usual, Cam, magic. And let me just make sure that we've got you right here. That's, uh, that is incredible. I hit the button and bang, a little bit of sunshine. And here was I complaining to you that it was too cold. Yes, and I said, you're a wuss, Cam, because this is beautiful. It's Melbourne. Just wait. Tenish. Yeah. Always the sun breaks. And what happened? It did. Yeah, it came out and uh, that's, that's gorgeous. How are you this week? Me, I'm good. Um, market's a little bit slow, a few things happening around. Mm. We'll get there, life's grand. Yeah. Tomorrow's a public holiday, but I always have Monday off anyway. But I might have a life and we may have uh, a barbecue. Ooh, yeah, so special we're looking food. forward to it. Yes, definitely. Okay, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow, you know? Well, I fell asleep, so I wouldn't know. But my manager told me, she said, the sun's going to shine Monday. So she told me... Did you say the manager? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, Franca said that the weather should be good, so I'm looking forward to it myself. Oh, good. Because okay. um, I normally don't have the energy to go and light the barbie. Um, but, yeah, when I do, we make the most of it. Just out of curiosity, have you, when, when you're talking about a barbie, have you got, like, Barbasaurus where it's connected to the, the gas? Or no, are you no, a solid no. fuel kind of guy? <laughs> no, no, no. We're not like the 60s where it was all connected up and, yeah. and or I've got a U-Butte modern one like my cousin. You'd think it's a... Um, uh, What's your cousin's name? Michael. Oh, Michael. He, he's got this beautiful butte barbecue that his uh, girlfriend bought for him. It's got a, a side burner. It's got a sink. It's got a cabinet on the bottom. It's got a fridge. It's got a... Well, yeah, almost. I'm not quite sure. Probably. Almost. But it's got the yeah. facilities if you want to stick one on. But no, I've got a gas-fired barbie, the old style on a trolley. But I, I um, rigged um, one up where I'm going to light some um, um, fuel in it, solid fuel in it. And we'll have a smoky barbecue. It's beautiful. That's the way. I mean, I remember years ago when we were talking about making, you know, the um, an eggplant dip. Oh. And yes. um, and I remember this evolved over the years for me because the first time I I heard about it, I think we had... Uh, y- y- no, here we go. Here was the first part of the recipe was, oh, you just stick it in the oven and it goes soft and then you add flavours to it and you do that. Then Stephanie Alexander came along and said no. What you need to do is you do it on top of the stove, the gas stove, so the skin blisters. And then I might have mentioned that to you. Again, this is probably about 10 years ago. And you looked at me and went, no, mate, the only way to do that is you make a wood fire. Yes, my mum's very good at it. Very quick, too. You don't need a fire that's got embers in it. Mm. Um, My mum's got a uh, half 20-litre oil can. (laughs) Someone cut it in half for her. Just... She gets all the twigs and puts them in and yeah. a couple of bigger sticks. Yes. And you get this flame growing. You put your grill on top. Yes. Your eggplant goes on top. And you'll see that they go black very, very quick. Yes. And when they start to split and ooze stuff out, they're done, mate. Whee. They're done. So and the get... difference is that then you put this layer of beautiful wood smoke in there and the dip that you're making, which is also known, I think, as poor man's caviar, is about a thousand times better. Of course, you've yeah. got you've got the right texture because you've got a, a nice ripe eggplant to start with. You have to make sure that it's not too hard. It's mm. got a little bit of give in it. Yeah. Then the smoke is infused, yeah. and then you pull it off, and you add the best olive oil, yeah. the freshest garlic and parsley, salt and pepper. 
What else is there to need other than a bit of crusty bread? Crusty bread, little pastadura, which you've, uh, we met each other at the bakery, so you've got your bread. And you've also got this um, <clears throat> sexy garlic. Looks like sexy garlic. It's uh, got it these magenta sort of streaks to it. It looks very fresh. It looks like it's just come out of the ground. And I was super surprised when you said, hey, do you want to talk about this Chinese garlic? Yes, well, normally I would say I wouldn't touch Chinese garlic, but the thing is I've always said that they do grow good Chinese garlic, but they normally send it to America. This is a a better grade. I haven't seen this grade of garlic. This is straight out of the ground. We only get it one or two weeks a year. I'm pretty sure that this may have come across on an aeroplane because there's no way that that would have been sitting in a fridge on a boat for um, 30, 40 days. It looks like it was picked yesterday. Yeah, the, the skin is still glossy and it still feels... Um, soft and soft juicy. And supple. Yes. I'm, um, I'm avoiding using the M word. Yes. Um, it is very good. Mm. I, I think it, it's um, been grown properly. Uh, you can tell by the smell that it's pure. Uh, I'm happy to eat it, it because good. it's that nice and fresh. Good. My customers bought it last week. They've come back and told me that I was right, that I could um, eat it and not die straight away. <laughs> no, we don't want to say that. Because yeah. um, I've been told by my daughter that I've been politically incorrect all week, but it doesn't matter. What, you had garlic breath? Uh, no, no. But oh, just other opinions. stuff. Yeah, OK, yeah, right. But, okay. yeah, that's the way it is. Um, Gee, what a surprise. <laughs> it's not... Well, it is cheap because at the moment they're selling Mexican garlic for $4.85 each and yeah. it's not fresh, it's dry. How much are these? These we've been selling $2.50, $3, depending on the size. That's good. It is good because um, you can eat it and not reek of garlic afterwards. Mm. Um, so it's short window, so enjoy it if you can see it, buy it. Um, I think it's better than Spanish and uh, the other dry stuff because that can be very astringent or hot. Yeah, um, uh, sorry, and we're sort of going on about this uh, um, quite a while. Uh, but one last thing, you said that we don't usually get this issue. She goes to the US. Yes, yes. yes. So I'm told. Um, obviously, we don't throw enough money back. So, like everything, you don't pay, you don't get it. Yeah, well, that's, uh, that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Now, um, as well as that, um, you've got this uh, incredible cauliflower you wanted to show me, which is. It's been. It's like it's like a normal head of cauliflower, but it's like it's grown one, two, three, four, five, five. big nodules underneath. Yes, um, this one must have been hungrier and it's a um, high achiever. High achiever, very <laughs> prolific. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. It's white. It's tight. It's heavy. Mm. Um, we're all going to take a photo of it and show everyone. So I don't know. Camera may post it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm just taking a photo. Um, the, this variety grows with all the leaves enclosed around it so it stays white. In the olden days, they used to have to gather up the leaves and put a rubber band around them. If not, the wind would make them go purpley or, or they'd open up really quick. Yeah. So these, uh, I don't know if they trained them to do that or if they found a variety that does it. And it's also got these beautiful little lighter-coloured leaves and they're very, very tender. A lot of people break them off and throw them away, which is rather tragic because when I was small, I can remember um, Dad would buy a truckload of collies and he'd always keep all the light-coloured leaves mm-hmm. and the Greeks and Italians would ask for them because you boil them up and what you put a dish. olive oil. Yeah, 
They are sweeter. Oh, they'd be amazing. And tenderer than a collie itself, but put together, it especially, really breaks the colour. Yeah, especially if you can get a bag of them, my God. It'd yeah, be yeah, and, and it's so good for you because I'm sure that they're full of um, vitamins and minerals and fibre and whatever else is good for you. So it's rather tragic to throw it away. Question. Like, you know, artichokes are one of the most beautiful vegetables, my favourite vegetable of all, and they are related to a thistle... And they're a flower head that hasn't been allowed to open yet. If you allow them to open, they're a beautiful sight. I mean, you know, you get this beautiful purple. Um, what happens, like a cauliflower, is that, that's a flower head, yeah? It is, What definitely. happens if you just leave one of those in the field? What does it do? Well, it, it opens up. Uh-huh. And now they sell what they call a Chinese cauliflower. And it's a very wiry... Have you uh, seen it? The little strandy, like... No, 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 no. Just, no, just, wrong. It's open up and loose. Oh, OK. Um, you'll see it down the bottom. When, when you're going out, you, you must look for it. The Chinese and, down the bottom? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's got um, very soft um, uh, stems and cores, but mm. it just looks like a collie's kept on growing and growing and, and opened up. Yes. Um, well, that's what the collie will do because eventually its job is to make seeds. Yeah, so, well, that's its, that's yeah, its imperative. It's b- the botanical imperative of it. Anyway, I was just kind of curious about that. Uh, this is a beautiful cauliflower. Um, I managed to get a hold of a truffle last week, and I did. Uh, we did cauliflower cheese. Oh, beautiful. We've lots of just what? truffle grated on the top. It was really, really nice. When are you going to buy an Australian-grown porcini? Uh, you had them last week. No, no, I didn't have them. Ago. I was telling you about yeah, them. Yeah. I uh, haven't been game to buy one because I know if a uh, hundred dollars a kilo, hey. um, uh, six of them go to the kilo. So you work it out. Yeah. Um, I can guarantee if I buy them, I'll lose more than I'll sell. Um, but you'll eat well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Franka, we couldn't sell it, but I brought them home. And... Yeah, and. Um, Sammy's not shy of trying stuff, and yeah. uh, Joey will be taking one home to his grandmother as uh, well. And it's probably, uh, you know, not to buy them. I think no, it's probably good idea. But we will, we will. So we'll try them eventually. We'll, we'll have a treat. I'll, um, when you do do it, uh, I'll, I'll put in I'll put in some Buxton. We'll, we can all have porcini together. Um, one thing that is really, really a part of the Italian food canon, north or south for this? Um, probably more north. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And it's, uh, if I say this wrong, you have to be careful how you pronounce this because if I say it wrong, you used to give me a hard time because you say, that's a horse. Yes. Ca- cavallo. No, cavallo. Yeah, no, cavallo is yeah, the horse cavallo, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 that's right. Because I was going, cavallo Nero, and you go, dude, that's, that's, that's a horse. Cavallo. Yes. Nero. Yes. So the black kale. Yes. Um, black cabbage, they, some people call it. Yes. Or we call it a Tuscan cabbage. Yeah. Um, it's got beautiful um, variegated wrinkly leaves, whatever you want to call them. Not variegated. Um, yeah, variegated is colour. This that's is right. This um, is sort of uh, like a text- Savoy cabbage. Yeah, they're good. There we go. Yeah. Curly and textured. Curly and textured. Yes. Yeah, nice. Now, um, this is, as I said, part of the kale family, but it's a sweet kale. Yes. Most of the German and Russian kales. Um, unless it's the one that really looks like a little cabbage, yes. uh, much coarser and bitter. And bitter. Yeah. But there are ways that they deal with them, yeah. uh, and there are ways you deal with this cavallonera. Um, I was just telling um, a customer then, um, what we do is we wash the leaves, we chop it 
um, not too small, about a couple of centimetres long. Mm. And we fry a bit of bacon and onion in olive oil. What if you're a full veggie? Just well, take away the leave take away out the bacon. The bacon. But I like the bacon too. I'm just, like the bacon. I'm just giving the options. Yeah, because right. we're cannibals, we eat everything. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, now, they've got some thick stems down the bottom. Mostly I've gotten rid of the harder bits. Yeah. But if you think that the stems are too hard, you put that into a soup, it really picks it up. Or a minestrone, whatever. Minestrone. Yes. Um, yeah. Now, like I said, you fry your bacon and your onion, you, you throw the culinary in, stir it, cover it with the oil, put the lid on three minutes. After three minutes, you take the lid off, stir it up again, cook it for another three minutes, six minutes, you're done. It's, that's the thing that amazed me when you first, uh, when I first discovered this, you made me discover it, um, is how fast it cooks. Yes, and you have to be very, very careful because when they first started growing it, um, the grower said to me, take a bunch and try it. But I took it home and I cooked it too long and it tasted very burnt, sour, and I said, I'm not eating that rubbish. <laughs> so later in the season he Got tackled backwards me and again. Coming forward, so, yeah, okay, right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so later in the season he tackled me again. He said, John, he says, you didn't hey. do it right. You know, you've got to do it like this. And and then I fell in love with it. So now what I do is um, I, I try to take some of the younger leaves for myself because I like to spoil myself. But even the harder, coarser, ugly looking leaves, they're beautiful. Eat. The mm. flavour's so good. You can serve it beside a steak, you can have it um, just if you're a veg, just goes well with potato salad and um, stuff like that. You know, it, yeah, it's right. just a very, very good green. And as usual, we need our greens. We need the fibre. We need the, fiber. the, the yeah. vitamins. Um, that's why the oldies ate this stuff. And also it grew through winter, which mm. is another thing. Um, you know, we have to make sure that we have a balanced diet right through winter, not just in summer where we've got an abundance of everything. True. And this, uh, you can see why this would grow well in winter because it's... Uh, it's a tough leaf and it'll handle the cold. Hey, um, I've just realised we've been talking for a while. We better wind this up. Um, do you want to do pick of the mark? Oh, do we want to talk about washed potatoes? Yeah, all right, quickly. Quickly, washed potatoes. At, why, at, why, why, at, why? <laughs> all right, why, I'll tell John? you at, at the moment, because of COVID, uh, the restaurants haven't been open. Yeah. And the providors normally buy these little white potatoes that are washed and they, they take them into the restaurants and restaurants do them up. Yeah. Um, because they're easy to deal with. One, they're washed, and two, they're the right size. They're, they're, so yeah, I, good yeah. I went to an agent, and I said, I want a little Desiree. He said, look, I've got some white ones. Help me out buy them. So I bought them, and we've been uh, flog- flogging them cheap. I see. You just did him a favour. I is, did. You n- wouldn't normally do this. We would say, uh, I turned up my nose, and John was going, hey, shut up. I've got, a, <laughs> like, I've got to make a living here. And I'll go, yeah, all right, reluctantly. Yeah. But the thing about the washed potato is, first of all, if I'm going to be a snob, I'd say, well, why would you? And you've just told me why, because the price was right and you were looking after a mate. But the thing is, if you if you buy one of these, you've got to eat it within a few days because they fall yeah. over so quickly and easily. The next day they turn green. Dirt protects the potatoes. Of course, it? it's hey. like us running around with clothes on, mate. No, yeah. well, I hadn't thought of it that way, but thank you. Um, we need to go. Pick of the market. Right. Pick of the market beans. I want to show you last week's beans. Right. See the jelly still there? I see the jelly. All right. Now, that's seven days old, but still very, very edible. Yeah. Listen to the fresh one. Oh, did you right. hear that? Look at the vibrance Whoa. and colour of that. Okay, now, so it's translucent jelly. It's, it is. It is. That's and, beautiful. And there's no big bean inside it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And um, they're $15 a kilo. They've been a little bit harder to get. 
I've been selling last week's for $10, which is less than what they cost me. They're sweet can, too. Yeah, they are sweet. Mm. You can buy a machine pick for about 6 bucks. That's part of my pick. Cover and error, get out there, try it. Yep. Cauliflower, so many things you can do with collie. Yep. We've been slicing it about uh, two centimetres thick, putting it in the oven and just browning it up. Um, there's an abundance of everything as usual, and we've got some beautiful savoy cabbage. Still having coleslaw. We've got uh, some artichokes. They're not growing because it's cold. Yeah. These are a little bit smaller than what we normally sell, but still quite good. We're selling them three for five bucks today. Yeah. So you can make something like that. That's your favourite dish is to um, just stew them up with potatoes and broad beans. And a parsley. And a parsley. And, and also um, a little you can do with basil too. Definitely. There are so many things you can artichokes do with Artichokes and basil. Hey, yeah. i got to get out of here. Yeah, you better because um, yeah. people have got to come out and do their shopping and I've got to get onto it. Yeah, come on and go get some, uh, get that horsey Nero. Yes. <laughs> get the black horse. Car- Cavolo. Yes, you got it. Yeah, so the, it's Tuscan cabbage. It's beautiful stuff. John, thank you as always. As always, it's a pleasure. And Don't the sun's out, I feel terrific. It's still out. All yeah. right. Okay, bye. So now it's time for Duncan Buchanan's Wonderful World of Wine. Yeah, there it is. So fat and funky. Just like our man, Duncan Buchanan. Did you just call me fat? No, you. I was talking to have the... Your theme is fat, and that's uh, spelled P-H-A-T-T, my friend. Fat. Fair enough. <laughs> I just said you say so fat and funky. Like our friend Duncan Buchanan. I'm like, okay, I know them overly funky. And I'm saying, look, I've got a few kilos I don't really need. This whole COVID thing, you know, you eat and drink a lot. But I don't know, fat cam. It's funny, um, you, I don't know if you uh, you heard uh, Dan before, Dan Hunter from Bray, he said him and his staff have put on a few kilos. Oh, haven't we all? This is, you know, the, I think you and I had a brief chat a couple of weeks ago when we needed to do a segment of things we things we can thank uh, COVID-19 for, but was maybe deemed a little insensitive at that time. But I think part of one of the really good things is that people are cooking a lot more, don't you think? Maybe, you know, there's a bit of takeaway going on, but... Um, yeah, there's uh, there's a little bit less moving around. There's a lot more eating, and there might be a whole bunch more drinking. And uh, one of the things that's uh, that's great about being a winemaker is uh, this time of year you don't do anything. <laughs> he said provocatively. <laughs> if only we could be in the same studio, Campbell would have slapped me. Yeah, slap um, you in the no. face. <laughs> no, it's um, it's definitely quieter times. I mean, I love winter. I just adore it. It is just such an easy, lazy time of the year. You're not supposed to do too much because the weather's kind of crap. And you mm. can just, I don't know. They, they, one of the things I so often say, nothing can go wrong in a vineyard that has no leaves on it. Um, yes. You know, and that's, you know, as soon as vines start to grow in about, I don't know, September? Yeah. They're, they're all asleep. You know, you don't wake them up. They're just having a bloody good kip at the moment, and it's a, it's a really nice thing. You just sort of take stock, you look back on the wines that you've put together from the pre, you know, from 2020, and just they're starting to they're starting to take shape a bit now. They, they need a bit of time. Once, I mean, a bloke that I make my wine with, where we've set up our winery, a bloke called Ashley, he's, um, hmm. he, he, he's 
newish to it. He gets all bent out of shape, like he'll have a look at his wines. And, you know, when we say have a look, we'll taste his wines. And he goes, oh, it looks a bit bony, looks a bit this, looks a bit that. And I'm always at pains to say, Ashley, four months ago, these things were happy grapes. Hanging there on the vine, ripening away beautifully, and then we you know we rip them from the vine, take them into the winery, you know, ferment them, and then put them into barrels. Yeah. So there's been a big, there's been a massive transformation. There's been a there's been a bit of a to do with these these grapes, <laughs> you know. And this actually, Duncan, I've got to say, this is, sounds like classic. God, my God, you must be getting wisdom because this is classic young bull, old bull stuff, isn't it? And it is good fun because he's um so Ashley's got this uh, property with a massive shed so we set up a winery there and yeah. he's, um I met him through through my darling fiance Lucy she he's another advertising guy but yeah. he just he wanted to, he wanted to start making wine so I've set up there and I, you know we're talking about what my wine making fees I might pay yeah. he goes no 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 he goes you're not paying wine making fees I said why is that he goes well. You need somewhere to make your wine, and I need someone to show me how. And it's great. It's just there's such a huge amount of um, you know, mutually beneficial stuff. From from a marketing perspective, I can pick his brain really well, and from the winemaking perspective, he can pick my brain. So it's good. It's a really, really good fun setup. Sounds good. I mean, to quote Humphrey Bogart, you might have said this could be the start of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, it sounds um, like, yeah, well, you know, you, you, got, you got a friend with benefits there. That's for... That's for dang sure. Um, it is 12.53. You are listening to Eden on 3 FM. We're talking with Duncan Buchanan, our resident wine man that we uh, come to to oh, talk about all things Venus, as in V-I-N-U-S. Um, let's, uh, let's just pull the handbrake, though, um, because yep. there was one thing we did want to talk about with... We're in tumultuous times, God knows it, and um, we've seen some incredible things. Well, just on the news last night with the the demos that have been happening all over the world, and I lifts my lid to all of the people that have demonstrated, but we add that to uh, coronavirus. But there is one thing that is underlying all uh, potential calamities on this planet that we've sort of put on the back burner, excuse the pun. Yep. It's the the thing, the inevitable thing. We love this time of year because we've got respite from the heat. Yep. It's still going to be around next year, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely right. And this is a bit of a concerning thing. I was chatting with a colleague just yesterday about this, saying, you know, the whole COVID thing's been good because pollution's dropped, because yep. people aren't in their cars, and yep. you know, factories have shut down, and dot, dot, dot. And the, the earth is going wonderful. This is great news. But now that we're allowed to get out and about again, mm. um, and people are a bit frightened to getting on public transport because these other humans, and we're all filthy and disease-ridden, so we don't want to get near each other. Yeah. And this is and this is going to be this is the headache. So people, some people will take public transport, but a lot of people are going, no, nah, screw this, I'm going to drive. So there's, you know, they do anticipate a spike in, you know, in car pollution once people start coming out of lockdown and needing to get about a bit. So. It was there was again those things that um that list that we ran through things that we <laughs> that we can thank Corona for, um, it, you know one of them was that that drop in pollution. But we just wonder whether there's going to be an upswing once we you know once we jump out again. And you're right, Cam. I mean we're gonna it's winter now. It's lovely. There's you know I've got shanks on the stove <laughs> tonight's dinner and yeah you know, all the lovely you know making mashed potato that's two-thirds two thirds potatoes and one-third butter. Butter, yeah, yeah nice. And, and Dan Hunter's there over there on the other side of uh, the, the thing staring at a bush television just watching a lovely wood fire. But Yeah, likewise. But, but, but 
very, very soon, it's going to get hot again. It's mm. going to get really hot again. And uh, they're predicting a very, very wet winter. So you go, that's good. It breaks the drought, which it does. You know, we all love to have rain. But then you go, well, with that extra rain, is there going to be extra growth in, on the understories? Is there going to be potential more stuff to burn? You know? Mm. It's, so it's, uh, you know, we, we don't need to take our after ball as far as... Um, I, mean, I know the current government would be just, you know, they'd, they'd see the silver lining in the cloud that is COVID-19. There's a bit of a distraction for people from the other issues. But yes. we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to address this, you know. It's something we, we do need to keep our, our foot on the throat of that particular, that particular um, you know. Issue. Danger, the issue and danger. And um, maybe not back at gas-fired recovery God's sake! What's wrong with people? Anyway, sorry, I got all got all angry on you, Cam. Ah, well, okay. Well, we'll just uh, but we just wanted to just just mention that fact because it is still yeah. clear, present danger, and uh, it imperils our existence here on this planet. So, anyway, just uh, sorry the inconvenient truth to just drop that in your laps, folks. Yes, it's no, still no. the long weekend, and you can still sleep in tomorrow, which is good. Uh, should we go? What do we got? Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts. Oh, here we go. We had um, explosion in retail. Drink more, not better. <laughs> That's exactly right. Because that was always the fucking burning. Kate and I used to do plonk. We always used to run with the run with the idea. It's like, okay, don't drink more. Drink better. You know, yeah. get some good booze in here. It's more interesting, and you can have a lot more fun with it. But it's the, this old COVID thing just flipped it on its head. Like most of my wine that I sell, the, the wine that I make principally principally goes into restaurants and uh, when restaurants shut down you don't have a market so you know I've had to adjust what I do but the takeaway the retail takeaways just exploded like there's been so much talk about you know people just drinking far too much and all of a sudden the uh, you know the, the five o'clock drink becomes a mid-afternoon tipple when it's just the... And people, people have said to me, people have said to me, you must be stoked, you must be selling so much wine. I'm like, no, quite the contrary. No, the shut up, come here, I want to punch you, yes. <laughs> I wish I was. Yeah. Um, it's, all, it's, all the, it's all the lower... Um, it's all the, the cheaper wine is really going out. You know, the home delivery stuff through your, your bigger retailers from your massive producers... And uh, you know, and that's that's the way people are going. This sort of you know, it's the it's the cheaper end of the scale. So it's really flipped that um, that, uh, that dynamic. Yeah, that dynamic. So it's not people aren't saying don't drink, don't drink more, drink better. So now screw that. We're just All right. more of the garbage. I'm pulling the handbrake again because we uh, we're going to have to get out of here soon. Uh, before we do leave you though, and thanks always for joining us. What's in your glass with those shanks in uh, in ten seconds? Oh, look, there'll be a Pinot Noir of some description. I'll have to have a bit of a rifle through the, um, through the cellar seal that I've got. But, you know, I've got the day off tomorrow, so I don't mind us sleeping. Yeah. And what, what, what I'm really looking forward to, Cam, is when we do, when Triple R allow us to come back into the studio, because I'll drag out something special and we'll have a tipple on air, because it's, it's you know, the, um, the, the listeners wouldn't realise this, but when, when people come into the studio to be on air with you, it's always so much fun. So much of the fun happens off air. And that's, Can't wait. You know, it, Cannot yeah, awesome wait, fun. Duncan. All right, mate. Well, we're going to get out of here. Uh, thank you so much, Duncan, for, for joining us. Thank you for the rest of the guests. And Carl's going to take us out of here. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. 
Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website.